I learn from failure. I embrace obstacles. Always give my best effort. I seek critical feedback and I learn from others. Those should be the only five expectations you have. Welcome to the All In Podcast, where we dive into the mindset, habits, and stories behind inspiring and passionate individuals who know what it takes to go all in. In All In, you can expect real and raw conversations with athletes, coaches, and leaders on topics like mental health, mindset, psychology, training, wellness, habits, and much more. We hope to leave you feeling empowered with motivational stories, relatable experiences, and actionable advice, and I know that I personally walk away from each episode learning something new. In this episode, we are throwing things back by bringing back an old episode that you might not have heard yet as we have had so many new listeners here. This episode was from 2020 and is with the legendary Justin Sua. Justin is someone I have looked up to for years and he posts such great short tweets and Instagram posts every day on Mindset, so definitely go and give him a follow. He's a mental performance coach for the Tampa Bay Rays and I think this episode has some great stories and advice that are just as relevant now as they were then. So I want to start bringing back some of these episodes and definitely have Justin back on the podcast. Something to keep in mind as you're listening throughout this episode is that it was recorded live. So if you haven't tuned into the podcast since, you know, 2020, in 2020, we actually recorded basically all the episodes live on Instagram during the pandemic while people were at home. So just keep that in mind as you might hear audience questions and different things that we bring up in the podcast. And so without further ado, let's go all in. Hey, hey. Hey, how's it going? I'm doing well. How are you? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can. It's working great. Awesome, awesome. Let me adjust this right here. Perfect. Yeah, doing the same thing. Right, right. (laughs) Cool. So where where are you you living right now? I live in Ottawa, so the capital of Canada. Okay, okay, nice, nice. I've been to Toronto, been to Toronto multiple times, but haven't been uh, been up into your neck of the woods. Everyone skips over Ottawa. Yeah. <laughs> We're yeah. the forgotten about city. Justin Bieber comes to Ottawa, he comes to Montreal, and, or he comes to Toronto, Toronto Montreal. Yeah. yeah. No, no one comes yeah, here. That's, that's me. So is that born and raised? That's where you're born and raised? So I was actually born in Vancouver, so the West oh, okay. Coast, you might be more familiar. Okay. It's a much yeah. bigger city. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, but we moved back here when I was about five or six because we have uh, my grandparents here and our family cottage. And uh, yeah, so pretty much mostly raised here. We actually okay. lived in the States in New Jersey for two years, which was oh, interesting. Nice. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Cool. I'm excited to be here with you. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you on and chat and dive into your mindset. So if yeah. people who are just joining in now, obviously we have Justin here and um, he is a mental performance and leadership coach with, you're with the Rays organization right now, right? Correct. With the Rays now, yes. Awesome. And uh, which teams were you with before? So I've been with the Boston Red Sox. I was with the Cleveland Browns um, and then just did some other uh, schools as well. A place called the IMG Academy. Uh, I was with the U.S. Army for a little bit. And so, uh, so yeah, just kind of, kind of been around. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah, I've been diving into, I was just reading or, or listening to an audio book about the IMG Academy. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty awesome how it all started. And so right, cool. right. Yeah, a lot of history over there. Yeah, pretty cool. Oh, yeah. So what actually got you into being a mental performance coach? Yeah, it was really interesting. So I, uh, so I, this was not the track that I initially <laughs> thought I was going to get into. I was uh, at a young age, I wanted to be a professional baseball player. And then uh, actually, when I first started, I wanted to be a cowboy, and then a ninja, <laughs> and then a baseball player. And I played baseball all the way through college, and then uh, got my degree in broadcast journalism. And so I oh, wanted no to way. be a sports broadcaster and report on athletes. 
And uh, I'll, I'll never forget my first interview and uh, interviewing athletes. And I was in Los Angeles and, and I realized in that moment, I did not want to do this for the rest of my life. And so I thought, what a, what a waste of, of a degree, what a waste of time. Uh, so I went into teaching high school. So I was a high school teacher for a number of years. And then while I was teaching high school, I noticed there's this degree in some weird uh, uh, field called sports psychology. I'm like, what, what is this? Looked into it, uh, got the degree, and then uh, it was, that was, um, the, that's where it all began for me. That was back in 2009 is when I started a degree, graduated in 2011, and haven't looked back ever, back ever since. It's been a blast. That is so awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that. And it's funny that you wanted to be a professional baseball player because, yeah. funny story, but uh, at one point, so did I. I thought I could be in the MLB. Oh, yeah, nice. Super <laughs> random. But, um, yeah, I played competitive baseball with the boys when I grew up since I was about probably 10 years old. Um, cool. That was my – I played, like, any Canadian hockey, and then baseball was, like, my spring-summer thing. Um, but That's then, yeah, cool. I haven't touched a baseball since I was about – 14 or something like that <laughs> what, <laughs> yeah. what position did you play what did you play um so I was a pitcher okay um, wow. yeah yeah nice. and um, my dad actually put together a team we played in the um, Ontario provincial game so it's like kind of like a state what championships and we we actually won but all I remember was the amount of pressure of pitching and we actually went to extra innings yeah. and they put me in I cried <laughs> I was crying <laughs> I was so oh, wow. nervous and wow. so I assume like working with baseball players you experience like the pitcher in any position really but the amount of pressure in a moment because you're really waiting in baseball and then all yeah. of a sudden the eyes are all on you so how do athletes like how can they deal with that pressure yeah that's a really good question and and what's what one thing I also have learned about is that elite athletes they don't have the corner market on pressure like a lot of the people who who watch this or listen to this Parents, moms and dads have pressure, insurance agents have pressure, and teachers have pressure. Um, but this, these, these elite athletes, because it's such an acute moment, they're, they're trained. They, they've trained themselves to trust themselves in that moment, uh, whether it be breath work and slowing the game down. And a lot of the guy, a lot of times, to be quite honest, you ask them after the game, were you nervous? They're gonna say, no, no, I wasn't nervous. I was just focused on this pitch. The people who were nervous was everybody watching the game. Uh, now, I mean, as I, as I watch my kids, play sports or do what they do. I'm more nervous watching. And this is what I do for a living. I get nervous watching. And then, hey, were you nervous, kids? They're like, no, I was just playing the game. And so a lot of times that's where you'll see the same thing happen with professional athletes, probably like yourself as well. You might be nervous before the event, but when you're in the middle of the event, you're just, all right, that's just what I do. That's what I train for. That's that's exactly it. And it's funny because there's been like when I was competing in snowboarding, um, I remember I went to the junior world championships and I it was my second year at them and I hurt my foot. I had like a foot injury all season. And so pretty much last minute I had to pull out and we were all the way in like Turkey. And I just got to cheerlead my friends and like watch them and be a supporter. And I was almost more nervous, like exactly. just watching them. I wanted them to do well. And it's so crazy being on the sidelines versus just like you said, you're nervous beforehand. But once you're like actually there and in the moment, you're so pre-programmed and trained that exactly. it just, you do your thing. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what it's like. Yeah. Yeah. So before we dive like too much more into sport, I know I had some people who submitted some questions that kind of are more relevant to what people are dealing with right now. I know, yeah. like you said, we're all dealing with some sort of pressure. Moms, dads, accountants, everyone is dealing yeah. with some sort of pressure right now. So 
Um, one question we got was, how do you keep pushing through the tough times, like when you're in them and get the motivation to really, you know, not just be sitting around watching Tiger King, but, you know, right. do something about this, this time that we're in? Right. I think that's a really good point. I think first thing is to understand is that to normalize what you're experiencing. Normalize that you're going to be angry. You're going to be sad. You're going to be nervous. I think a lot of times when people think about mentally tough people or being mentally tough in situations like this, you think, oh, grit your teeth and you just got to push through it. We're, we're humans. And I think you can do that. But first, you got to understand, hey, it's okay to feel these feelings. And also, you got to understand that your motivation is going to drop. You're going to find yourself feeling less motivated to do things you used to love to do. I've been talking to people who love to read, but now that they have all this time to read, they're a lot less driven to read. I know people who love to work out, and now that they can't work out the way they used to, they're a lot less driven to work out. And so that is completely normal and to understand that, and that's okay. I think that's okay. I think number two to go along with that is to identify just really what can you control. And even if it's something just a little bit, even if you, maybe your workout isn't what it used to be, maybe your reading regimen isn't what it used to be, maybe you just do a little bit of it. And then forgiving yourself, not even forgiving yourself, taking it easy on yourself and not being so hard on yourself and saying, oh, man, you should be writing a book right now. You <laughs> should be getting a doctorate right now and say, hey, hey pump the brakes. We're all going through a lot right now. There's no race to the finish line necessarily. We're going to pass through these moments of some are experiencing depression. Some are experiencing anger. We're going through this adaptation process. That's a process for all of us. And to understand that is huge. And then there's going to be a moment where you're like, okay, I can push it a little bit. I could, I could uh, take a little, I could work a little bit harder here or dig a little bit deeper here. And that's, it'll come with, pro it'll, it'll come, um, It'll unfold as, as time goes along. And another thing about motivation, motivation also, there comes a point with elite athletes where it's you focus less on motivation and more on discipline. And it comes down to people don't work out because they're motivated to work out. You work out because you're disciplined to work out. It's not something that you, you necessarily feel like doing, but you know you need to get it done because you know at the end of the day, it's going to get you closer to what you ultimately want. And so I think um, it comes down to reassessing what your goals are, reassessing what your why is, and then building your day accordingly, building your day to help you get a little bit closer to that every single day. Yeah, I, wow, that's totally true. I think that's so important, especially like we're all experiencing these like highs and lows in our feelings. But if we can fall back to these systems and these processes that we have, yeah. then it can really carry us through that. Right, right. I agree. Yeah, that's, that's super key. So uh, another question that I got was, or that people uh, submitted was, um, I wrote them all down here, so I'm nice, not going to worry about that. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, um, it's to differentiate between, like, how do you know in sports especially, but I think in everyday life, for example, like we know we have this goal, for example, or this mission, especially as an athlete, you might have a mission and you work at it for two decades to become this top level. And this is relevant for me because the Olympics were always my goal. And um, how do you differentiate between you're striving for this and you're not, you're starting not to feel it anymore. And do you, how do you know when it's okay, this is just me not feeling it and I need to rely on my systems and push through, or is it, you know, something to do with mental health or is this just not serving me anymore? How do you differentiate between those things? Because they kind of come up as one thing and it's, it's difficult. You, that is the million dollar question. I think <laughs> I just want to, I want to put it out there. I'm not coming out here to say, I would say that 
I just want to be right up, open up, uh, right off the bat. I don't know. So, however, <laughs> however, what I do know is there are certain uh, cookie crumbs and certain variables to consider. Uh, so, so first of all, one of the things when it comes to your why, when it comes to your goal, my question to you is, what does it do to you? Does it create something in you? Does it drive you? Does it move you to want to take action? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Sometimes, uh, but if the answer is yes, you're going to see that it's going to literally drive what you do, how you think. It's going to affect how you sleep. It's going to affect the food you eat, the way you train, the people you hang around with, and it's very organic. Now, there are some people on this journey, they've been on the road for so long that that passion, that run-through-the-wall mentality isn't there as much. It becomes just part of your professionalism, just part of what you do. It's not like it, it creates this visceral uh, uh, kind of approach or, or influence on your body or on your mind, it just becomes part of your daily habit. You work out because that's what you do. You train because that's what you do. Now what happens with a lot of people, they come to this point where it's like they wonder, should I keep going after this? Is this, is this still the right dream, still the right goal for me? I honestly believe that it all comes down to that introspection, that self-awareness, do you love it? And how much longer can you do this? And, and asking your friends and asking your loved ones, but ultimately asking yourself. There are a lot of people I know, a lot of people I know who have hit that little plateau area and they're like, okay, let me, let me figure this out. They either A, have to set a new goal in that same domain, B, reassess their why and their purpose, or C, understand that, hey, okay, everything's set, I still enjoy this, let me keep pushing through it. Hey, and what do you know it? They break through that plateau and they, they got it again. I've also met people who hit that same plateau and when they pause to ask those same questions, they end up saying, you know what? I'm gonna pivot. I'm gonna go a different direction. This isn't for me. I'm gonna go somewhere else. I don't know where it is. I don't know what it's going to lead to, but I know I don't love this as much anymore. I'm gonna move on. And that journey and those questions is all up to that person. I personally, experienced this uh, in all of my life, my career. I, I was going to be, I was going to be a baseball player. That was it. I went all in on that. And so all, all of a sudden I realized that, hey, I don't love this as much. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do, but hey, I know this isn't for me. In the meantime, let me go all in on broadcasting. Okay, I'm going to be a broadcaster. And then all of a sudden, nope, I'm going to be a teacher. Got to the point to where I kept going from place to place, but wherever I went, I closed the door on the other things and I went all in. I went all in to the point to where I got here. Now, here's where it's interesting. I can look back on my career and I think, wow, I'm a failed baseball player. I'm a failed teacher. I'm a failed broadcaster. But as I look back, I ended up realizing that the, the tools and the lessons I learned from each one of those parts of my life have helped me in what I do today. And so one day, I'll never forget, we're at the dinner table with my son when he was younger, he goes, Dad, I want to I want to be a quitter like you when I grow up. I'm like, wait, what? He goes, yeah, I want, I want to be a quitter. I was like, what do you mean? What do you mean dad's a quitter? He goes, yeah, you've had all these different jobs. I was a baseball coach, a waiter. He goes, yeah, you're a quitter. I was like, okay, son, put down the floor. I put down the floor. Let me teach you what I ended up doing. I'm not a quitter. I was, I've learned how to pivot. And sometimes when you pivot, it's scary because you don't know where that, where you're going to pivot to. You don't know where you're gonna go and how you're gonna get there or what you're gonna do, but you just know that where you currently are, it's not it for you. And it's that feeling you get in your heart and your mind and you might try to logic, be logic about it and use logic, but it just, it just, you can't answer that. You just don't know. And so it's just trial and error.
Yeah. Oh, I love that so much because I think a lot of athletes, you know, they put their past thing as like, this is, this was a failure or this was my past life and let's move on to the next thing. And they don't realize how that was just a, like a building block to what they are doing now. Like they, they pivot and all the skills that they learned there can be applicable to what they're doing now. Yeah. And so many, including myself, you're afraid, like you're afraid to, to pivot, to go into where your life's work is or your calling is because you care what other people think, you care what your family think, you care about security. Like myself, yeah. I was like, okay, I have my wife and three kids I got to take care of. Who am I to go and do this job that almost doesn't really exist and there's no path, but uh, <laughs> try to go all in on it and, uh, and here we are. Oh yeah, I, I really relate to that as well because it was the same thing with me and snowboarding. Like my whole life, I wanted to make the Olympics. I think my parents said when I was like three years old, I was telling them that was my goal and wow. I just didn't know what sport yet. And so then all of a sudden that was my, you know, it was my identity. Like my friends would introduce me to, to their other friends as me being the national team athlete. And it just became my whole world. Like that was who I was as a person. And so it made it so difficult when I wanted to think about shifting into something else when it was like, well, I didn't make the Olympics, you know, and I came this close, should I still try for the next one? And I had a bunch of injuries and different things that, you know, kind of made that decision easier. But it was so difficult when you, you have that opinion or what you, you care about what the other people are going to think about it. Um, you have the opinion of yourself because it's your identity and you just don't know how you can take that into the next thing. But it all comes full circle and you realize you're not actually starting from scratch. You're just, exactly. you're pivoting on. Exactly. So true. And a lot of times in the moment, I wasn't able to make those connections until looking back, as Steve Jobs said in his commencement speech, like you can't connect the dots until you're looking back. And so uh, only until now, looking back, and I'm excited for the future. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Who knows how, how long I'll be doing this. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's such a cool mentality and perspective to have because everyone wants that like shortcut. Like, I, like with the question I asked, you didn't have a straightforward answer. You kind of have to learn through it, through your own failures, yeah. or not really failures, but just your own life lessons yeah. and, and figure it out along the way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Well, it's pretty important. Um, okay, so my next question is one of my favorite quote, well, I don't know if it's a quote, but a phrase, and I think it came from you. I'm pretty sure I saw it on, on your Instagram, maybe a few years ago was hustling while you wait. And this is something that's really come up in, in my mind. And just um, from reading other people's posts and things like this lately is, especially in sports, we we hustle for like, decades to try to make it to some level all knowing that we're not going to make it to that level until you know we're this certain age or this certain peak of our sport especially athletes coming up like they have a system in place they they're on high school teams and they're on ncaa and then they might make it to the the professionals but when it comes to business or everyday life or relationships i find that people want that lesson immediately they they don't have that mindset to be putting in the work every single day and realize it could take five years, 10 years to actually see that result come to full fruition. So how do you kind of explain that maybe to athletes or just people in general who are struggling with that? Yeah, I think a lot of times we wait, we, we tell ourselves, all right, I'm going to kick it into the gear January 1st. New year, new me. I'm, I'm going to be that person when I get married. I'm going to be that person <laughs> when I get promoted. Or I'm going to do this. And there's always this destination that we're going to turn it up a few notches when someone picks us or when we get to a certain destination. And what, 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 what hustle while you wait means, it means pick yourself and be that professional or be that person right here, right now. Instead of waiting for that company to pick you or for that team to assign you or for that contract, 
you work as if you have it right here, right now. And because you don't need permission from anybody else to be great. Choose you. Choose yourself and hustle while you wait. Hustle while you wait for that contract. Hustle while you wait to get into school. What I mean by hustle is there's nothing, just because you don't have a degree in that certain domain, that shouldn't stop you from search reading all of the journal articles and looking up all the Google video or YouTube videos and learning from those professors right now. Uh, just because you haven't made, a you're not a professional athlete, that shouldn't stop you from sleeping like an elite athlete or eating like an elite athlete right now. Hustle while you wait till you get to that, to that moment. Again, it comes down to choosing yourself and, and having a professional mindset right here, right now, and not waiting someone to, to, to knight you and say, okay, now you can work hard. Okay, now you can uh, put in that effort. No, no, hustle right now while you wait for that big, bro that, that big moment when uh, the lights are on you and you get your opportunity so that when that opportunity comes, you're ready. That's, yeah, that's so important because, yeah, you're not going to change your entire behavior, actions, self when all of a sudden this opportunity comes you have to have built it like if you want to become a professional treat yourself like a professional now because who we are today is a result of what we did yesterday absolutely absolutely and a lot of times you'll hear people oh i'm waiting for that that company to call me back or i'm waiting for the internship which is true which is true when i first started uh when i got my degree i the first organization i i, I opened up a business and there weren't a lot a lot of jobs the field of sports psychology isn't like uh, dentistry or being an insurance agent, there are not a lot of jobs out there. And so I said, okay, instead of waiting for an organization to pick me, I got to pick myself and go out and, and, and pound the try to, and just build my own curriculum and do my own thing until an opportunity pops up. And then when you know it, it's Army, and then it's IMG, and then it's Red Sox. But uh, again, not to, that I'm, I'm special or anything, because I'm not the first person to do it. It was just and, and obvious and also con contextually, I had to do that because I had a wife and three kids and diapers to take care of. And so uh, it was almost like I, I beat what you kill. And uh, there's, there's, three, there's three little ones who are counting on me to, to provide for them. So uh, that was extra motivation right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that's, yeah, I have a whole list of questions about you and your family family because you're I, I love watching all the content about your family and the behind the scenes and I know you've you've written a couple books about parenting correct yeah yeah so one was I one about parenting so I um just I just I didn't want to do it because I didn't want to be the parent person because anytime you write a book about teaching parents how to parent now all of a sudden you live in a glass house and how are you as a parent oh, yeah. and, I, and I always tell parents I'm like I am no parenting expert you can ask any of my kids. Um, I struggle very often, but uh, but yeah, we wrote one for parents, pretty much like a, a, a manual for parents to help them be mental skills coaches. So giving tools for parents to help their kids. That's, yeah, I think that's so important. I was on a couple of podcasts recently and people were commenting um, just like on some self-beliefs that I've had. And when they asked, where did I build this from? I, I couldn't really remember. I was like, it's not something that I remember not having. And it was, it comes down to your parents instilling these beliefs into you, like that you can do all these things that you can, it's okay to fail and just keep trying new things. So I think that's so important for parents to instill in their kids that it's okay to try hard and to try new things and just be self-aware. Yeah, that's so true. Cause that's how I was raised. And that's how my wife was raised. I have my father who is an 
immigrant here to the United States and my mother uh, who, who didn't, I think she graduated high school or didn't graduate high school and they came here. My dad played professional baseball. They opened up a multi-million dollar company and uh, I mean, the odds were against them, but they lived the American dream and great growing up in a home where we went from this little apartment to a much different house as they got more successful business-wise. Um, I got to see firsthand a, a, a masterclass every day on learning from failure and going after your dreams and, and, and making, getting messy and, and doing things even though you don't have the education to go out there and, and uh, live, your, live out your dreams. And so you're right. And my parents and, and my wife's parents did the same thing, being immigrants from Argentina, and they had their own business. And so, uh, yeah, hopefully passing that on to our kids. That's so awesome. And my, my mom's family is from Venezuela, so South America oh, cool. as well. And then my dad is Canadian. And she came here knowing no English to do university because she wanted to learn English and get a Canadian education. And, uh, yeah, she ended up meeting my dad. And she moved back to Venezuela and then came here. And then such is our life now. Here you are. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. So I, I would love to hear about some of the amazing things that your kids are doing because I, I follow them on social media and they're awesome. So maybe let's start with um, with your daughter. And I know she was in a movie with The Rock and I would love <laughs> to know about how that came to be and how that yeah. was as even a parent and dealing with this. Yes. Yes. And so one of the things that's really cool about parenting is so we have three children and all three are completely different, which is great. If you everyone look at your siblings, you're like, wow, we're same parents, same house, completely different. So we have oldest son who's 13 and we have a daughter who's 12 and we have a daughter who's 11. So boom, boom, boom. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, our oldest son, he's in the music. And then our daughter, Maya, she's in the cooking and running. And then our daughter, Eliana, who you just talked about, yeah, uh, uh, had started her uh, co-starred with Dwayne Johnson. So when she was eight years old, we were all she was watching Disney Channel and she turned around and she's like, okay. I want to be an I want to be an actor. And I and, and we asked her, like, how bad do you want to do it? She goes really bad. Like, OK, well, we're going to get you acting <laughs> coaches and we're going to we're going to go all in on this. And uh, next thing you know, she's acting. She's like, all right, I'm ready. I'm ready for an agency. So we went to Los Angeles. She auditioned in front of an agency and they didn't accept her. She, she, didn't, she didn't get it. And uh, that motivated her even more, believe it or not. She didn't quit. She went harder, awesome. got a new coach. She ended up going back to LA. An agency signed her on the spot. And uh, we lived in Los Angeles for the entire summer of, of 2017. And uh, she auditioned every day. And we came home from Los Angeles and she had no bites, she no jobs. Until one day she gets a phone call from Dwayne Johnson's people and they said, hey, Dwayne saw your audition and he wants you to play his daughter in Hobbs and Shaw. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it was fun to see her live out her dreams and, and she's doing it now. Now she's in the acting world. That's amazing. And, and also like a story that relates to hustling while you wait because yeah. she dealt with that and, and kept going and kept going through the rejection. It's yeah, as an athlete or an actor, or anyone in that industry, and I, I believe that the athletes are kind of in the entertainment industry after all. That's why there's the fans and everything. There's a lot of rejection. It's just, yes. yeah, it, it's pretty crazy. What, what did you tell her to be able to overcome this rejection of putting herself out there over and over again and getting these no's? That's a really good point because helping her understand, because yeah, she's rejected all the time. She's, she, she's auditioned almost like 150 times and got one yes. She got one yes, it happened to be with a rock, but, but she loves it. And, and helping her understand 
the value of work and loving what you do and knowing that every no will lead to a yes. We talk about it all the time and that we love her no matter what. We don't love her because she's in movies or whatever. We love her because we want her to follow her dream and she's going to fail a lot, uh, but she's got to love it. She's got to love it. And, and we try to have the same message with all of our kids. That's, that's so awesome. And now to your son. Yeah, I know he's creating amazing music. His beats are so good. But I think I remember, did he have a company called Sua Socks? <laughs> so he's an, he's an interesting kid where ever since he was younger, I remember one night, it's late at night, and I go into the living room. He's up and he's, he's, take, he's watching Shark Tank and he's taking notes. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's, oh, I'm, I'm getting business ideas, dad. And so he's oh, so just a awesome. businessman. And so he would always get, he would get in trouble at school because uh, he was making money. Uh, he would buy things on Amazon and sell them for, and sell like kind of, uh, just kind of, uh, just uh, what do you call it? Where uh, we flip them and he'd make money at school in elementary school. And uh, oh, yeah. he it was crazy. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, he started a stock company, had his manufacturing company, manufacturer and I don't know, over, over, overseas. And then, uh, yeah, he would sell them and then he shifted into music. And now he's making music and uh, came in touch with uh, Timbaland, who's a famous music producer. And now he's, uh, he's out there just doing his thing. And so same thing, he's doing, he's having a blast. <laughs> That's so awesome. I have to connect with your son at some point because you're, <laughs> that reminds me a lot of me growing up. I was selling, uh, my parents would go to Costco and buy like all the Excel gum packs. Yeah. And they would wonder, like, how are we going through so much gum? I was selling them at school like crazy. <laughs> Every, and no one yep. wanted to walk and get school right. so, or well, get the gum. And, yeah, right. it, I was selling all these things and always little hustles. And the same thing. I was pitching my parents with PowerPoints every week with a new business idea. And, uh, yeah, making them <laughs> sit down. Awesome. I, yeah. Yeah. I told them that during this like time. Him. Oh, yeah, I would love to chat with him because, yeah, it, even now, like, we've been watching Shark Tank, and I'm at my family's for this whole quarantine, and I told them we should be sitting down every night and having a Shark Tank night and just, like, putting up a presentation and, <laughs> and doing a different idea. It would be so fun. I'm still trying right. to convince them. But. Right, right. Yeah. Some people are like, what are you talking about? That's not fun. But, yeah, that's how Jerem is. That's how he is. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. I, I love that. And, and then your other daughter, you said she's into um, yeah, running so she... and cooking. So here's the cool thing. Here's the cool thing. So we have the two, Jeremy and Maya or Ellie, who know exactly what they want. And we have Maya who she's trying to, she doesn't know yet. And which is completely fine. And it's, and it's okay to not know what your life's work is at 12 years old. And, and to understand and say, hey, you don't, you don't have to be on Instagram. And you don't have to sing and you don't have to dance. What do you want to do? And we're, we're doing trial and error and we're trying to help her. Maybe it's soccer. Maybe it's running. And right now it's cooking. And so she, she wants to be a chef and she's cooking these meals and then she enjoys it and she loves it. And, um, and, and she's the runner as well. She just loves to get out there and run. And uh, they're all supportive of each other and they're not perfect kids. They, have, they fight just like any other kids. But, uh, but yeah, it's neat to watch Maya do the same thing. That's so awesome. Do you have any tips for parents to try to instill that into their kids that they it's okay for them to try to figure things out and just be okay failing um, along the yeah. way as they pivot to the different things that they're interested in? Yeah, so I don't know so much tips, but I can let you know like, kind of what we're doing. How we were raised as, as, as kids is both my wife and I is our parents watered our ambition. Like if we were, like for example, growing up when I wanted to be a cowboy, my parents, okay, let's get you the cowboy hat. Let's get you, let's get you a sheriff's uh, uh, badge or whatever. <laughs> let's get you, let's get you stuff. When I wanted to be a ninja, I had like toy swords and whatever it is. Like, they're like, go for it. 
I think it's easy as parents to knock our kids down when they show excitement for something. Hey, dad, I want to be an actor. Oh, you're not going to make money doing that. Oh, do you know how bad that industry is? Oh, do you know just knocking it? Or, hey, dad, I want to go to this school. Oh, why would you go to that school or this and that? And also some parents, which my parents didn't do, they try to because we love our kids. We love our kids. We want them to have security. We want them to make money. And so, yes, go the lawyer route. Go the doctor route. Go this route. And a lot of times, like my parents, they did, and my wife's parents, they didn't, they didn't need what we did as a badge of honor, okay, to show how good of a parent they are. It's like, hey, go do what you do. We love you. Uh, we're we're going to tell our friends if you're a waiter, great. If you're if you love it, if if you're if you're a baseball player, great. If you're a a, a store clerk, we're gonna love you no matter what. And we're not embarrassed telling our friends what you do. And I think that's one of the big keys. What we try to do with our kids is water their ambition. What do you want to do? You love that? Okay, we're gonna do everything we can to help you go all in on that. And if you don't love it, okay, great. You're only ten years old, twelve years old. <laughs> figure it out. Yeah. So it was hard because. I'm a baseball guy. When my son said, dad, I don't want to play baseball. I was like, huh, okay. shot to the heart. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, son, what do you want to do? And so soccer. Okay, great. We're not a soccer, or I'm not a soccer person, but let's, uh, let's get you doing soccer. And so, um, but yeah, it's, um, it's, that's what I'd say. Just water their ambition. Yeah. Oh, that's so important. I, I remember growing up and I would tell my dad, when I have a kid, they're going to be a pro snowboarder and he's like well what if they want to ski no 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 exactly like, they can't do that and then now I'm thinking back like okay when I have kids I really do not care at all what they want to do you know if it's ballet and I'm not into that that is fine but I just want them to find something where they can put you know they can go all in and they can put all their passion and effort to it and they truly love it like I don't want to push them to something that they don't love because it look, makes me look good or it's something that I want right that's so true and also teaching our kids okay if you're going to do this like if you, let's say you go play soccer, you can't quit in the middle of the season if you don't like it. You're <laughs> going to be a great teammate. You're going to work hard. We're going to get through it. And then we're going to assess it after the season. But uh, that's, a, that's a great point. And, uh, and uh, we don't let our kids run wild, but, but we, have, uh, we try to let them, yeah, just follow their, what they want to do. And so, uh, yeah, we'll see. We're, it's, it's trial and error. We're trying to figure it out as we go. <laughs> well, I think that's pretty much with everything yeah. in life. There's, there's a million books on it, yeah, but exactly. you, you don't learn until you actually exactly, do it. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Awesome. So I just wanted to mention anyone who's watching, if you guys want to submit some questions, go ahead and I will try to incorporate them. So for sure, ask away some yeah, stuff and, and I'll make sure to ask Justin. Um, I have some quick fire questions that we can go okay. through while we wait for some people to yeah, ask absolutely. more questions. Absolutely. Um, so first, who is your favorite athlete if you had to pick one, like the greatest athlete in your mind? Oh, it was, I mean, the, the, the late Kobe Bryant now. I born and raised in Los Angeles. It was always Kobe. And um, yeah, favorite athlete of all time. Uh, loved watching him. It was crazy what happened. But, uh, but yeah, it's Kobe. Oh, yeah. Amazing mindset, too. Like the whole Mamba mentality. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Hey, what is your favorite quote, athlete quote, like quote from a historic athlete? Ooh, uh, a favorite quote from a historic athlete. Um, oh, uh, it was uh, Muhammad Ali. So I'm going to butcher it. I'm going to butcher it. But to the essence, he goes, I hated every moment of training, but I said, like, do it and live your life as a rest, uh, the, the rest of your life as a champion. Something yeah. to that end. But I, the reason I love that is because a lot of people think that people, these athletes love to train. They love to work out. They love to eat right. They're, they don't. <laughs> they don't. A lot of them do not, but they do it because they want to be great. And it's like that phrase, everyone wants to be a beast, 
but not everyone wants to do what beasts do um, until it's time to do what beasts do. And so I loved it because Muhammad Ali was authentic. He's like, I don't want to train, but you know what? I'm going to train because I want to be the best in the world. And that's why that really resonates with me. I love that so much. I actually had um, a picture of Muhammad Ali with that quote over my bed. Um, oh, nice. Growing up. Yeah. Um, my grandma is a huge fan of Muhammad Ali. I bought her some stamp socks with Muhammad Ali. I went out to LA a few years ago and found them at a store. Oh, and, that's uh, cool. Yeah, I never see her wear them. But you know, <laughs> I, I thought she would like it. Yeah, that's so cool. And I think a, a, a close second, or if not a tie, now I'm thinking about it, Bruce Lee, when he says, uh, long term consistency trumps short term intensity. I love that. I am a huge fan of consistency over a long period of time. Embrace the boredom of consistency. Embrace the boredom. I, I love that. I love that. And that, yeah. so those two, they're tied. They're tied for me. Yeah, I think that's so important for people, like no matter what they want to do, like you get this initial motivation and this passion for something, but eventually it, you know, that kind of wears down. And I think it's true in relationships even. Yes. Like any form, you have to start making the decisions to do that every day instead of just yes. running off that, that, you know, the emotion. That's so true. That's so true. Yeah, a lot of people, they, they want to, they, they'll only work out when they feel like working out. They'll only make that call to that friend when they feel like it. They'll only read that book when they feel like it. But once you learn to do it when you don't feel like it, you will see unbelievable results. And once you train yourself to do that, it's, it's incredible and valuable in every aspect of your life. Yeah. All right, we got a great question here. So what's right. your approach when you know the mental game will really help one of your athletes? but they aren't buying in on it in the beginning. I, yeah. I think this is a really great question. That's a really good question because really, you just like anything, you can't force anything down people's throats. And so the key is to build relationships so strong that it can bear the weight of truth. And so the key is my job isn't to come here and, and throw out mental skills, strategies, and tips. And that's just, number one, is just no feel. And then number two, it's annoying at worst. And <laughs> like, no one wants to, you don't want to be that guy. Um, and so if somebody, if you know something's going to help somebody and you don't have that relationship established, lean into the relationship. Don't, don't force it because you might talk too much and try to force it and then you ruin the relationship and now they really don't want to talk to you. So what I would say, if you're that person watching, just observe, just observe, just watch, just let the game come to you. Be patient. It's not the end of the world if they don't know it, know it right now. But then build the relationship. Talk about things that has nothing to do with sports psychology. Ask them who they are. Ask them about their family and their friends. And uh, because at the end of the day, as the cliche goes, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so that's, that's what I would say. And then as time progresses, then all of a sudden they'll trust you to be able to give them some insight or even ask those hard-hitting questions. Happens all yeah, the time. I, oh, yeah. I, I, I've experienced it um, just working with different athletes. I one time I launched a ski and snowboard program for, uh, it was a, like a strength and conditioning program for ski and snowboard athletes, but skiers and snowboarders don't think it's cool to work out. So that, like, I remember I was talking with um, the national team strength and conditioning coach, who's, uh, he's a PhD at what he does and he used to work for Australia surfing. And so I was talking with him and just picking his mind of like, how are you getting this buy-in from the athletes? Cause I know some of these athletes personally, and I know they would, you know, be looking at me like, why are you training all the time? And, you know, and I was like, well, right. you know, I have to, this is my way of preventing injury and getting strong and getting my advantage on you who might be at, you know, a little bit higher level than I am, but they don't, yeah, they don't think it's cool. So 
his perspective was exactly that. It was, okay, well, I'm not going to force them and say, okay, well, you need to be squatting and doing this every day. He's like, I just want them to have fun. Just get yes. them in there and just create that conversation. And eventually they'll start listening when you start suggesting further exercises or further things to do. Yes, and yes. That's so true. I, I agree with that. And a lot of times there are some really smart people out there and you may know exactly what this person needs. But again, if they're not letting you in, if they're not and you try to force it, you could even damage the relationship. It can, it can hurt. And so uh, I think that's huge. I've even talked to athletes. They would rather have somebody who they have a good relationship with who might not be as competent, who is competent. You have to have that baseline competency versus someone who's the smartest person in that domain but who doesn't build a relationship and just wants to shove it down your throat. That person is going to have a tough time connecting with uh, anybody and, even, and especially elite performers. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. so true. And I think yeah. even for, it's a good takeaway for if anyone's like watching this and they're in business, sales or entrepreneurship, it's the same thing when you're trying to make a sale as well. Like you yeah. need to build that trust and just genuinely like build the relationship with the person before you can even if you know that buying your product or solution is going to be a great fit for them you right if you don't have that relationship they're not going to want to listen to whatever you have to say exactly that is so true that's a great question whoever asked that that's a great question yeah that was a great yeah. question so if anyone else has questions there is no stupid question so yes please yes. please ask away okay so back to the quick fire questions okay um my next one is about music and motivation what, what have you found with athletes, the link between music and motivation? And I know for me, like when I'm snowboarding, I used to have a 50 cent song that I play every single run. Nice, because nice. Because when, when you're snowboarding, you want to be chill. So not like really yep. hard yep. rock, but yep. at the same time, like you want to, you, you have to think you're like the boss. Like, yeah, yeah, You just yeah, have to have yeah. that mindset that like, okay, I'm going to own this. Like I'm the best. So what's the link that you've seen in, in the athletes that you work with? So I think we could find out right now, for those of who are listening, type in, I'm just curious, everyone type in, what is your go-to motivation song? So if you're watching yes. this, what's your go-to motivation song as everyone's typing theirs in? So there is a link. So you go into music will set the tone for the atmosphere, whether it be your club, the, the locker room, whether it be the gym, whether it be within your own earbuds, whatever you're doing, if you want to stay relaxed, you're going to listen to a song that relaxes you. If you want to kind of like focus, you're going to have focus songs. But I think there is, there are links. And, uh, and I think there's research out there but done by people who are a lot smarter than me um, who can give you more intricacies of it. But, uh, but yeah, it's, um, there's definitely a link in there. And I, I think you bring up a good point. What is it? Like creating your own, uh, your own uh, what do you call it, um, your playlist and to know what works best for you. And so, uh, yeah, there's definitely a link. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I remember my playlist was so eclectic, but it's the same thing. Yeah, you want to have that music that like chills out and then you get super hyped up. And it's it's been interesting because sometimes, especially when I was competing in CrossFit or when I've been competing in CrossFit, it was a little bit different because I don't want to get my heart rate like crazy right before I was almost like, okay, like what, it's the same thing, but what music is going to actually just like calm me down in between workouts, like in an right. event. And then what music, okay, like, it's go time right now. Right. What do I need to listen to then? It's it's so interesting the links and I I do think it affects a lot of things. I agree. It's cool. It's cool to see a lot of these uh these things coming. Oh my mi hermano Rodney, my buddy Rodney. I was just uh, Rodney, I was just on your IG uh, watching you. Great job today. Um but uh but you brought up a good point because there are some athletes who they have their playlist. So they get the game's at seven, they listen to a certain song at three o'clock to get them in a certain state, and then a different song at four o'clock, and then a different song at five o'clock. They kind of ramp them up emotionally and mentally. And so, yeah, there's music is so powerful. It's so powerful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
That's it. Your son is making the best beats, so hey, <laughs> he's right. gonna he's gonna get all the athletes hyped up. Yeah, before. it's it's been cool. It's been cool having some of the athletes who who I've known kind of DM him and say, "Hey, can you make a song for me?" And and he's he's loved it interacting with uh, some of the guys who we've been uh, working with. That's so awesome. Yeah, I was just thinking the same thing. I saw he said like DM me for beats, and I was like, "Oh, that'd be perfect. I should reach out to him for like." any video backgrounds or yeah, like yeah yeah he'll oh, do it awesome. <laughs> that's super cool i i really love that so um another question that i got and actually my boyfriend submitted this one and he wanted to know I, i'm gonna call him out now now everyone nice. knows that he was the nice. one who submitted these ones but he wants to know the difference between um the mindset that someone should have going into a competition and then the mindset that they should have after competition. So like, how did they yeah. immediately take what they learned in competition and take it into like as a lesson? Yeah. So we can break, we can crack that open into the training versus the trusting mindset. We could even call it that, or you can call it different kinds of mindset. You could label, call it whatever you want. The, the, the in-game mindset versus the outside mindset, the, the learning mindset versus the playing mindset, however you want to approach it. Yes. I think it's very important that you identify that there is a difference between the two. And that you talked about after the competition, I'm talking about after and even and even before. And so when you're in practice and you're running a certain drill, the purpose of that drill is to learn, to evolve. You're not going to be perfect doing it. So don't get all really emotional when you struggle. You're going to fail and put yourself in a position to gradually grow by making it by building in these constraints to make it a little bit more difficult. Now, during the game, you're not thinking about you got to tell yourself, OK, all the training's over. Now it's trusting your training time. Now all the preparation, practice, go out there and have fun and trust your, your, your kinetic chain and your, and, and your motor and your, just all, all of your effort to get, put you in the best spot to succeed. Now what you can also do, like you said, is after the game is spending time to reflect. And I think it's so important after whatever you do, whether it be a test, whether it be a project, whether it be a practice, Spending time to do what the military, U.S. military calls an after-action review, an AAR. Okay, what did I learn from that? Uh, was, I, was I mentally prepared? How could I have done better? What do I need to work on in practice? And I think absolutely yes, to take that feedback and then to use that going into your next practice, that's how you're going to make incredible strides. And once again, not just in sport, but in everything you do in life. I, yeah, I love that so much because – um, one for with with what you said with the review after competition I that's been something that I've been trying to do and I know like I've had great coaches who have helped me with that and say like okay I want you to send me your review the day after your competition like write everything down well don't filter it and like send it over and let's go over it and have a conversation and what I think I love the most about competing in all the different sports that I've competed in is just the learning process like the amount that you learn about yourself through competition is so cool so regardless of whether you do well or not, that whole process of reviewing is, it's just so cool to see like the lessons that you learn and like, wow, I pushed myself this far. Like, how did I react? How did I think? And this is like takeaways. That it's, it's hard to learn in a different setting. That's so true. And, but, and some not, and, but, but, but both of them, uh, sometimes people are afraid to look at, at their past, uh, the performance. They're afraid to go back and say, oh, I, don't even, I, I was terrible. I don't even want to look at it. I don't even want to revisit it because it was so painful. And going along with that is some people are so emotional, have so many negative emotions that it clouds their ability to learn from their failures. And so sometimes you can't learn immediately after the performance. Sometimes because, not because you don't want to, but because you're literally so emotional and you, you're, you're so emotionally hijacked 
and you're, you're, you're thinking with your amygdala or you're not thinking that you can't even pause to see the lessons or pull out lessons from it. So sometimes you might have to wait a couple of hours. Sometimes you need to wait till the next morning until you can quiet things down and to be able to look at it, um, look at yourself right in the mirror to see what you did well and what you didn't do so well. But uh, yeah, I think it's a very powerful practice and it gets so beneficial, but it takes some practice to, to, to do it because some people do not like to do it. Oh, I know. Yeah. Like some people are just so frustrated, especially when it's a bad performance, right? Yes. Like I think when it's a good one, you're like, oh yeah, this was amazing. Let me write this all down. Exactly. I want to keep this in my journal forever. Right, and, right. Uh, yeah. Sometimes you just want to move on from the bad ones, but we learn a lot more from the bad ones, I think, yes. than, than even from the good ones. So That's so true. That's so true. And I also loved what you said about training because I know, like I've seen in the comments, a couple CrossFitters that I know in here. And um, I find us in CrossFit, a lot of times, especially when you're, you're getting more competitive, you start competing in the everyday workouts, which should be your training. And so it was so great that you said, like, there's a, you, those are the lessons you're supposed to be learning. You're just, you, you make the failures. Don't expect yourself to be performing. Like, the whole purpose of that is to improve and to learn things. And so, you know, you can't be just doing everything where it's completely a competition because otherwise, how are you going to learn and, and grow from that? I, I, you bring up a really good point and you even said the word. So another way to couch it is the prove mindset versus the improve mindset. And they're, they're different. When you set out there to prove that you're the strongest, prove that you're the fastest, prove that you're the best in a domain where it really doesn't even matter. Who cares that you're the fastest at your box when you're trying to com compete to be one of the best in the world. So you prove it. That brings a set of, of pressure and anxiety for some people that prove a mindset. Now the opposite is the improve mindset getting better, improving on your, on your, what do you call it? Toes to the bar, improving on your kipping pull up, improving on your, what your transition, whatever it may be. That's a completely different mindset because you care less about other people and more about you getting better in that moment. And so I think it comes down to, you're right, checking yourself and identifying, okay, which, which mindset do I need to approach? Because a mindset is like, it's like your clothes, which just try it on, see if it works for you. And then not, this doesn't work for me. Just try it on a different mindset. And so a lot of times, and then some mindsets help for different people at different time. And so, uh, yeah, always being mindful of uh, how you're approaching things, the prove it mindset versus the improved mindset. Oh, yeah. I, I love that. I know when I first started, especially coming off of snowboarding, I was like, okay, well, I have to be the best at this now. And so I would go into the gym and it would be like a max squat day. I'm like, well, I have to have the best number. And I don't realize, like, what if I have a hip tweak, you know, or um, I should just be doing something else because, you know, my squat is pretty strong. That should that isn't something that I need to really be working on. It's it's another weakness. So I could be working on some something different, but it's because I'm like, oh, it's my chance to show off. And so it took a while to really, you know, calm down. And I think a lot of that came from, you know, the whole athlete identity transition and loss. But it's it's so important because not just for injury prevention, especially for CrossFitters who are just going ham all the time. Right. But right. also just that, you know, you can't, if you put yourself in that, that kind of pressure mindset every single day, you're going to break at some point. Yeah, that's so true. That's a, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. Good question. Um, so someone asked here, how do you help someone who is emotionally ramped up after competition? You don't. <laughs> so, so to be honest, like you, if you go to try to approach someone who's in the red, is literally not going to be helpful. It's going to be, if mm -hmm. anything, you're going to catch their, their emotions and then they're going to emotionally hijack you. And now you're mad at each other and you literally are just jumping into a fire. 
You have to wait until that person gets out of the red. Think about your, yourself. I don't know who asked it, but just any of us. When you are absolutely livid and you're emotionally hijacked and someone says, hey, be quiet or be calm, you're going to be okay. You don't want to hear that. You don't want to go <laughs> over your, you don't want to go over the game. You don't want to be told to relax. You don't want to be told to be positive. Although those things are good and must be, might be true, that's not the time. The time, timing is everything. And so that's why it's very important to know your athletes and to know even your, your friends and your family members. I see parents do it all the time too. Their kids are hot and the parents go in to kind of save the kid or yell at the kid while the kid's already in the red. Oh, good luck. The reason I know that is because I, I've done that myself. And so it does not work. Trust me, people, it does not work. And so the same holds true. It's like giving them time, paying attention. And then when you come back to give that person feedback or have them talk, be non-judgmental. You, you can't underestimate the power of asking non-judgmental questions and, and having them work through it themselves. And even questions like, hey, so how did it go for you? What are your thoughts? Okay, well, um, what, what do you think? What, what's been on your mind? What do you got? Just letting them just talk instead of labeling and judging and shoving things down their throat. They're already hard on themselves, particularly at the highest level. They, are, they beat up on themselves worse than anyone can beat, on them, beat up on them. And so just let them talk, let them go. And so, but short answer is you don't. You don't try to teach someone who's emotionally in the red. Yeah, I think that is, I want to highlight this, that it's, that's important for everyone right now. I think, you know, we're reaching month two or we're in the second month of quarantine. So if you're not quarantined by yourself and you're, you're with people, I'm sure there's been some emotionally charged situations. Exactly. And yeah, I would advise the same thing. I think, you know, my, my dad and I are very similar and we almost had a blow up moment the other day over like uh, a Red Bull in the fridge spilling. And I was like, I am in my 20s. Why am I arguing with my parents about a Red Bull in the fridge? And, you know, but when you have people butting heads because you've been in the same house for this this month or whatever, month and a half. And um, just like with athletes, like you're in the emotionally charged zone. It's like, hey, break it up. Have a night off. Yes. Yes. Create space. They create, Victor Frankl said between stimulus and response, there is a space. Um, and then he said more that's even better, but I can't remember what it is. But basically really mastering that space, creating space, even like you said, in our own homes. We're with our families all the time right now. Are you creating space there? Are you creating space with time, with distance? Because yeah, it can get hot fast uh, right <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I know. I, and I'm sure like people who are in relationships and are with, with those people constantly too, it's, it's similar, right? Like, yeah. you know, you're used to having maybe more space physically because right. you're getting to go outside more and do different things. So exactly. yeah, it's a good point. Just let them cool off. <laughs> yes, exactly. Good point. <laughs> awesome. So I have one last question for you yeah. because we have about seven minutes before Instagram will cut it off. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, is do you want, what's one piece of advice you have for athletes who are at home right now, whether they're amateur athletes or professional athletes, like what's one thing that they could be doing while they're at home and, you know, sports are kind of not, not canceled, but you know, they're, they're not competing right now. Mm, there are so many things I could say right now. We can talk about meditation um, we can talk about visualization. We could talk about goal setting. We could talk about establishing routines. But the one thing I just really less of an exercise and more of a, I guess it could be an exercise, more of an, an awareness of the growth mindset, what it means. And if one of my favorite principles, one of my favorite 
researched uh, article. It's called Implicit Theories. It's by Carol Dweck out of Stanford. And for those of you who have something to write with, I would write this down. So there are five principles, five aspects or beliefs that you need to have to take your performance or have the elite mindset. So number one is the belief that I can learn from failure. Like learning from failure, that is huge. People, it might seem like common knowledge, but it's not always common practice. Number two is I embrace obstacles. I embrace obstacles. You need to lean into difficult things. You, need, you should seek the hard road. When coaches ask you to do something difficult, you shouldn't eye roll. Oh, I don't want to do this conditioning. I don't want to do this. It's like, no, if you want to be at the next level, you say, bring it. Like, I want that. Um, number three is giving your best effort no matter what. Whether you feel good, whether you don't feel good, just give the best of what you have that day. And the reality is you might only feel at 60%, but focus on the 60% you do have instead of the 40% you don't have. Number four is seek critical feedback. A lot of people have just our egos. We don't want to get critical feedback, let alone seek critical feedback. And so calling up coach, going to mom, going to dad, going to your boss and asking, how can I get better? I'm not going to, and even, even reaching out to somebody who you really care and who really values you, who can take you to the next level and say, okay, what can I do to get better? I won't rebuttal it. I won't make excuses. I'm just going to take notes and work on it. That, and then put your seatbelt on and get ready to get it right between the eyes. And <laughs> oh, last, it hurts yeah, every time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then last but not least, number five, last but not least, is to learn from the success of others. We live in a world where it's very easy to get jealous by others. It's easy to be threatened by others. It's easy to look at other people and say, wow, they're so good and I'm not. Learn from them. You can grow. You can take what they're doing, what they're learning, and adopt it to yourself and then use it to be the best version of yourself. One of the best ways to, to, to experience stress is to live, is to try to be somebody you're not. Live outside of your values. Live, live outside of your strengths. Be you. We already have, don't be a copy of somebody else. And so I think if you write those five expectations down, I learn from failure, I embrace obstacles, always give my best effort, I seek critical feedback, and I learn from others, and you put up, those should be the only five expectations you have. Like five, that's it. And also that it's going to take a long time to achieve your goals, and it's going to be very difficult. You put it up on your wall, you identify which one you're struggling with, and you focus on that every single day. I think that would be a fun exercise for those listening. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I think you're going to, those tips are going to keep athletes busy for a while, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, I so appreciate having this conversation with you and everything that you've shared. I know just from reading the comments, it has been so valuable for everybody and even just for myself, definitely really valuable to connect with you, have this conversation and learn with you or learn from you. So thank you so much for being here. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Natalie. It was a, it was a blast. Well, looking forward to connecting further. I'd love to connect with your son and chat business with him. Yeah, one day, um, yeah, let, let me yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I hope you have a great rest of your evening. And, Thanks so um, much. Yeah, thank you again. You too. We'll see you, Nelly. All right, bye. bye. If you like the podcast, the best way to support it is to leave a review and share it with a friend. Truly leaving a written review, letting us know what you liked and want more of, and sharing the podcast so more people can benefit is the best gift you could possibly give us. Thanks again for listening. I'm so grateful for your support and I'll catch you on the next one.